This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by DeckSecure and Stream. This week, Rebecca and I chat with Eric Johnson about configuration over code. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 125. everyone. I'm Jeremy Daly. And I'm Rebecca Marshburn. And this is Serverless Chats. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Jeremy. Tell me about the latest games you've been playing on your computer. I heard a little bit about Minesweeper, maybe some Sims. Is this true? <laughs> right. Um, I think I was playing the original version of Chess Master. No, we were talking about, <laughs> I, we were trying to come up with some jokes around games, and I couldn't think of any modern ones. I think the, the 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 one I came up with finally was Fortnite, but I also feel like that's kind of old at this point. So, but that just that's how I feel. I just feel old. So, you know what? I'm going to own it. I'm going to play some Qbert and maybe some Asteroids. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, you certainly weren't alone. Uh, our guest and myself also said things like snake, you know, or like Tetris. <laughs> so, you play on your on your flip phone, right? Yeah, exactly. On the old Nokia 5180 or whatever. Exactly. That it was. The the perfect brick. Um, well, with that in mind, do you want to introduce who our guest is today? I would love to introduce our guest today. Now, I I have to be honest. When I heard the name of who was coming on, I'm like, I love Cliffs of Dover. One of my favorite guitar songs uh, of all time. Amazing. Then I realized this guy was from AWS and he plays the drums. But anyways, our <laughs> guest today, principal uh, developer advocate for AWS serverless applications, Eric Johnson. Great to have you here. Ah, thank you. Good to be here. And, and I have to call out, you know you're a musician when you can call it Eric Johnson, the guitar player. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's reaching back. Some of my favorite music. Just today, I was actually looking for a YouTube video of mine, so I typed YouTube into Eric Johnson. I don't even, I'm like nine pages in, still Eric Johnson, the guitar player. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm page nine, I you should feel pretty proud. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good ranking. I mean, some people no, 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 get Nine, some people get I there. still hadn't found myself. I still haven't found it yet. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, I will tell you so. something, though. Eric Johnson, the guitar player, has nothing on you when it comes to serverless. Um, oh, so you. tell us a little bit about just, you know, I guess maybe your journey into serverless, like kind of, you know, when you arrived at AWS, you know, what was it, three and a half years ago, four years ago now, something like that? Um, three and a half, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just starting to grow, right? Like it was just, I mean, back then it's kind of crazy to think about it, but it's like even just three years ago, we weren't yeah, anywhere it's... near where we are right now. So I don't know, just tell us a little bit about the landscape. What excited you about serverless and, um, you know, and sort of what it's been like over the last three and a half years there? Sure. I'd be glad to. Uh, at the time serverless, you know, was announced when the, when they came with the, you know, AWS Lambda, they didn't call it serverless at the time, as you, as you well know, it was AWS Lambda, right? And, and I, I remember I was working for a partner company. I was a solutions architect. Uh, and I was doing the whole breadth and width of AWS, which you know is not is no small feat. Uh, and and so, but I remember working and, and I remember seeing this announcement. Right, I'm at the reinvent, and I saw this announcement and just being befuddled. It was like it, it clicked into me almost immediately. Why would you do it any other way? If I can get rid of servers, if I can get <laughs> I'm just going to say it. If I can get rid of VPCs, if I can get rid of security groups, and, I, and, and I'll probably take some heat for this one later, but and just <laughs> deal with code, man, why wouldn't I? 
And so at the partner company I was working with, uh, you know, I was I started pushing serverless. Now, you have to remember that partner companies that this particular one, you know, we, we were doing infrastructure maintenance. That, that's where our, that's where our bread and butter was. We'd come in and, and and serverless makes that a little hard, you know. And so we didn't do a lot of serverless. It's, it's kind of hard for well. We, we won't get into all that, but we were doing mainly infrastructure and management, but things just made sense with serverless. So I became known as the serverless guy at this partner. You can't see it, and I don't know if you saw the video, but I'm doing air quotes <laughs> for both of you, air apostrophes. And so, um, but, uh, and so I, I really dug into serverless. And so I started before, and, and Jeremy, you, you obviously well know serverless.com, before the frameworks came out, and that was one of the first. I was writing my own scripts for deployment. I was, you know, doing all those things. I was trying to figure out how do I zip up locally and get and, and just and I was automating. And so I've always loved automation. I was automating my serverless journey and and how to make that work. But at that time, it really was Lambda and API Gateway and S3. That's kind of, kind of what it was. Now, I know we had SQS and those other things, but those are kind of the ones that caught my attention. Um, so throughout that journey at uh, Partner I, I saw this position come open and I'm, you know, I love to speak. Uh, that's kind of my, uh, you know, speaking is my thing. You wouldn't know it all the time by listening to me, but I do love to speak. You would know it by reading my blogs. He should speak, not write. But uh, it, but I, I really fell in love with the whole idea of serverless and the logical move for me was to come to AWS. So when Chris Munns opened the position, uh, I immediately applied uh, because I, that's all I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to talk about all the other stuff. All great services, but I'm not a huge fan of doing instances of, or dare I say even containers. I'm a fan of going straight to serverless. And so that kind of brought me to my journey here. That's the short version. So I want to talk about that a little bit more. To go back in the Wayback Machine of 3.5, three years and I believe five months ago, um, if Roughly, I did my yeah. creeping on you just yeah. right. Um, I know, right? Um, it's one of my <laughs> superpowers. <laughs> um, so you, as you mentioned, right, it was Lambda, API Gateway, some S3, maybe an SQS. Uh, Step Functions was very young when you joined. Sam was yeah. even younger. And then EventBridge did not even exist. Um, yeah. And so how would you describe the evolution of serverless and like how that was then, right? In that Lambda API gateway, S3, SQS thing. And now these different services have come up and enabled devs to perhaps do a lot more. Um, I don't mean to ask that as a leading question. How would you describe how what serverless enables developers to do now in just this like three year and five month span? So let me give you a little background real quick on, on Step Functions and Eric Johnson, right? So when I first started with AWS, uh, it was right before I reInvent. If, if you come to work for AWS, I really encourage you to do it right in front of a reInvent. That's, <laughs> there's no pressure there at all. <laughs> and so we had this serverless, and, and Jeremy, you were there, uh, because I remember going, well, it's Jeremy Daly, you know, and and and, and others. And, and I remember uh, being in the serverless after hours uh, party, whatever it was, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, four or five Diet Dr. Pepper's in, so I'm loud. And uh, so I remember standing there talking with Ben Kehoe. And, and I was a little starstruck, not going to lie. I'm like, man, those are cool suspenders. And so we're talking, and he starts asking me questions about, about step functions. I didn't have a clue. I knew step functions existed. I knew the, you know, the, con the concept of it. But I, didn't, I couldn't answer any of the questions, things like that. And I had kind of avoided it. It was, it was too hard for me. I didn't know the state's language. I didn't, you know, and so I kind of avoided it. I wasn't just do it all in Lambda. So you can, and you know where I've come to, Jeremy. So you see this kind of change out. But it was like, look, 
just use a Lambda function. It can do everything. It is the Swiss Army knife of AWS. So let's roll in our... You know, I remember again with, with Ben being like, I, I don't know, let me go get someone. So <laughs> let me roll that forward three and a half years. And where I've come to uh, was, and I've ha- I had this debate with Rob Sutter, and he told me, Eric, every serverless application should be step functions. And I was like, no, that's a little drastic, Rob. That's a little drastic. He's no, 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 I'm telling you, everything should. I tell you, he almost has me won over now. And, and, and here's the things that's changed, and then, and then I'll get to your question. I like to answer questions as long as I can. And so, Tell us a story. I, get in. Yeah, yeah I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when, when, when synchronous execution came out, that was a huge change for step functions because now I'm not having to do everything asynchronous. Now, asynchronous is good, and I'll always lean towards asynchronous, but not every application can be asynchronous. Sometimes you need that instant response, and you couldn't do that with step functions. So, so therefore, no Rob Sutter. Not every you know serverless application should be uh, should be in step functions. But when they release the synchronous execution, that's a game changer because you're able to do a lot of things and get an answer back. So you get a mix of synchronous and asynchronous. So let's step forward a little bit. I'm so excited. I'm running out of breath <laughs> or, or I'm just fat. One of the two. So I'm like, <sighs> so, uh, so step, come forward a little bit. Then we introduce things like the workflow studio. Uh, and so the workflow studio, and, and that answers that for me, I'm going to be really honest with the Amazon states language. I had a hard time figuring out, is it one dollar sign? Is it two dollar signs? You know, and and how do I how do I line those up? But the the workflow studio helps do that. It's, it's honestly, I have to say, it's probably the one of the best UIs I've ever seen anywhere. Uh, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, this is where you go into step functions on the console. And I'm always a fan of IAC, but this is one of those few places where I say start in the console. So you come to there, and in you can design your whole step functions, set up the set up everything you need. And then finally, uh, at, at uh, Christmas time, or at reInvent time, which was Christmas, we, we announced uh, the SDK integration. And so what this does is this, instead of just having the custom connectors that are in step functions to some services, and then for everything else, you would use a Lambda to kind of transport that data back and forth. We now have the ability to connect to almost any service in AWS if it has an API or an SDK integration. Uh, and there's some caveats on those things like uh, we were looking at one where like streaming is involved and, and step functions doesn't have, handle streaming responses and things like that. But for the most part, it handles most the SDK. So so now let me get to the answer to your question, Rebecca. Uh, the, so with all that under, under the, the hood and, and that kind of power, what happens is we're able to take a lot of what we were doing in Lambda Functions you know, SDK calls. I mean, if you look at Lambda code, how much of it is business logic and how much of it is just calling SDKs and moving data around and how much of it is just, you know, transporting. And if, if you're looking at a lot of transporting then and, and calling SDKs, then get out of it. Go over to, to, uh, or to step functions because then we get into, Jeremy, you've heard me say a lot, either storage first or more, more to the point configuration over code. You configure that and then you're done. Uh, and, and now, obviously, you got to get it right, <laughs> but that's like your code. But the reality of me getting a configuration step functions right before I get it working in code is very high, right? So I've always said, and, and you've heard this joke, but the most brittle part of, a, of an application is Eric Johnson's code. So anytime I don't have to code, I don't code. So 
we've brought a lot of power to the developer before they actually have to develop. Love it. So first of all, we are out of time. Um, that was a great okay. story. Sorry. It's funny, actually, I was joking with Rebecca when, we were, planning, when we were planning this episode. I said, you know, with Eric, we might be able to just do like free association or word association and then just let him go. And then we don't even have to do any yeah. work. It'll be super easy. Yeah. Um, anyways, so speaking about configuration over code. So this is something you've talked about a lot. And you and I actually have had a number of conversations about this because it is an interesting sort of movement, I think, that is, I don't know if it's unique to AWS, but it certainly is something where AWS has fully embraced this, especially with just the integration right. of all the different functions and the tools and the SDKs and everything that they're they're going there. Um, and you had a tweet, I think either yesterday or today or whenever it was, um, quick serverless architecture evaluation, are your Lambda, function, Lambda functions doing a lot of routing or SDK calls to AWS services? It might be time to look at step functions and SDK integrations, take advantage yeah. of error and retry handling configurable in step functions, hashtag configuration over code. And I think this is probably where you go to a, the next level and you maybe lose people even more, right? So asynchronous code is one thing. And that's something that, I mean, I, I, I almost every serverless application I have written, I would say 95% of the code mm -hmm. that runs or the processes that run are asynchronous because they don't have to happen in real time, right? And you just want to hand right. that off the back. I mean, again, there's all kinds of, you know, I don't want to say issues, but, you know, between cold starts and like, especially like oh, databases, having to call, you mm -hmm. know, the, speaking of VPCs, right? If you want to mm -hmm. call RDS, you want to do some of these things, right? You got to be in a VPC. Um, that speed problems are kind of taken care of, but you then have the managed NAT gateway and you can ask Corey Quinn about how much he loves those, um, you know, so there's all kinds of other things that just become more complex. But now you're, you know, we're getting to this point where you're saying, all right, so now you're not even writing code anymore, right? Now we're just writing configuration. And a lot of this stuff, I mean, I think I could probably refactor, you know, 80% of my, 80% uh, of most applications I wrote to just use step functions now um, and the SDK integrations and things like that, which yeah. would probably be a good thing. But you're also talking about writing a lot of configuration, Right. So that's another thing. And all code is a liability. So even if it's, you know, IAC, it's still a liability. So just it my I, I guess the, the question here, and again, I joked with Rebecca before, like it usually takes me a good 30 seconds of just talking before I even come up with mm -hmm. a question. And I'm not 100 percent sure I have one here, but it's a lot. Right. So how how do we simplify that? You talked about Workflow Studio, but where's the mental model? Where's the mental model going here? Just to jump in yeah. real quick. Um well, gents, it's been great. We're at time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used up the rest of the time yeah, with my wandering yeah, question really, about honestly, whatever. Yeah. Okay, you're looking right. in a mirror, baby. <laughs> okay, well, let's do the free word association. Butterfly, okay. go. No. Um, so, yeah. but seriously, the, the the mental model, like, what's the new mental model for serverless? Because it used to be you know, write these asynchronous functions or try to do as much mm -hmm. asynchronously as you can, hand off that work, let a Lambda function run that code. Now we're just, we're moving away from that even, I mean, not so much the asynchronous piece, but moving away from even writing your own code. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what question you're asking, but I'll answer the one that I, I don't want either. To. So, um, yeah. so no, uh, there's some complexity there. Uh, you know, so let's let's take step functions, and this isn't alone to step functions, but there's some complexity in a lot of what you're doing. You really got to be in the cloud to test that, right? Uh, and so that that you know, if we look at our old model, it was emulate everything locally, get it working, off it goes. That's good. 
Um, whereas now that gets, especially with asynchronous, right? That gets a little complex when those asynchronous services or those asynchronous responses are based on different cloud services that you can't emulate. You're not going to emulate poly locally, not with the machines we have. You know what I mean? Or you're not going to emulate, you know, uh, transcribe or things like that. And so there is this, we're kind of at this, we're wrapping our heads around it state. I don't think we've got it down perfect yet. Uh, and forgive me for all our SDs and stuff they're working on. I think we're headed in that direction. Uh, and again, we'll go to step functions as an example, you know, and, and Sam, and I, and I don't know if this is where you're leading, but I know we can talk about Sam Accelerate in a minute. But the idea of kind of where we were to where we are is now we, we can do some local sanity checks, but we need to get to cloud as fast as we can. Right for for development. Um, so so one thing we just did, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to backpedal for a minute. I, I don't know if you saw in um, uh, Step Functions we released the local testing. Yes. Uh, the lo- local mock testing. That's huge. That's a really big thing because yes, while you'll hear me constantly say get to the cloud as soon as you can, sometimes you need that sanity check locally, and it's just a quick sanity check for quick. And that's what that mocking tool allows because at Step Functions we know that it gets it gets complex to say. I'm going to integrate with 17 different services. How do I test that? Number one, at that unit level. How do I test it at that, at that end-to-end level? Uh, and, and so the way we talk about this is, is really small functional tests locally. Sanity checks, things like that. Same with SAM. When you're, when you're working with the other services, eventbridge, things like that, small functional tests locally if you can. And usually that's going to be step function and Lambda because those are, Lambda obviously is business logic. Step functions is an orchestration of business logic, right? So, so those are things you're checking your code. Eric Johnson's code is going to fail seven, seven out of eight times, right? <laughs> and so, uh, or I could do one out of two so I can do the cool finger thing. So, uh, but you get the idea. So then what we do is we say, then get to the cloud as fast as possible. And that's where uh, Sam Accelerate comes in. Does, does that kind of make sense? We can go further than Sam Accelerate, but is that kind of where you're driving with your question? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that this is this is part of the, <clears throat> this goes back to, I think, the the wiring that AWS is bringing mm. um, that I think is a, is a bit unique to the cloud space, right? And, and everyone's trying to simplify what we're trying to do with serverless cloud and all these other things. We're trying to basically say, like, there's right. just so much happening here that you have to be you know if it took if it took three and a half years to convince Eric Johnson that step functions were the way to go right and you're in this stuff every day yeah, I yeah, mean yeah. there's there's just a lot to think about here so let's talk about Sam accelerate for a second because again okay. that's one of those things where what you did there was you said look you can run these things locally with like you know I think it, is it Sam not invoke is it Sam what's the Sam local invoke, Sam local yeah. right yeah sorry um so you have Sam local that allows you to run that little HTTP server are. locally and you can hit up against yep. your lambda function whatever but then as soon as you have to call DynamoDB or again integrate with Poly or translate or any of the other things unless you're routing that to the cloud to use those mm-hmm. services in the cloud you know that's you know that is not actually that difficult to do but as soon as right, you're like right. oh i want to put in an sqs queue and i want to read off an sqs queue i want to send an event through event mm-hmm. bridge or i want to use step functions or something like that it becomes harder and harder to do those things locally so it makes sense that it's like you can't bring the cloud to it's too hard to run locally we know yeah. that so um there's a, and again local stack by the way does a great job do. really trying they to do. make that work and it works yep. really really well for most things or for a lot of things um and then 
we always talk about uh, Brian LaRue and, and Architect and, and what yes. Begin's doing. And they, with the services that they have, they do a really, really great job of letting you run that local, which is amazing. Um, but as these things get more complex, the only place for you to fully test this is in the cloud. And the sooner you sure. get there, the, the better you are. And so the thing is, is, if you have to do all these magic tricks to make it run locally, then that's just brittle, right? And the whole it works yeah. on my machine thing like that is, you know, that's crazy, yeah. but it, well, it's true, right? So what? So that's my point. I, I, I don't even know what my point here is, other than the fact <laughs> to say, you know, how do you, mm -hmm. I guess let's talk about Sam Accelerate and the idea of bringing everything into the cloud. And I know that, you know, yeah. AWS tries to meet customers where they are. So they're like, well, we can yeah. also do it locally, but really, is that what we want? Or do we really want to just be moving into the cloud? So uh, let me back up real quick on, on like the local stack. I agree with you. Local stack's done a phenomenal job. Uh, Brian, his team are doing a great job. Where local stack falls down is not local stack's fault. It's Eric Johnson's fault. And Eric Johnson's a great example of a standard developer. Eric Johnson can't figure out Docker network to save his life. Mm. I cannot get my, my, dot work, my Dockers to talk to each other, things like that. So it's not always the emulator. I, I, I applaud the emulators. I think they're great. But what happens is we spend so much time trying to get everything working, we have less time developing, changing the world with our code, right? right. Uh, our, our business logic. So what we did is we said, okay, we're going to leave SAM local. And we're going to bring in some tools like the, the local mocking test for, for, step, for step functions. But the ultimate goal is to get to the cloud as fast as you can. And the reason for that is, and you were saying it earlier, and I don't think you used the exact words, but synchronous is easy to test. Hey, I'm going to invoke a Lambda, get an instant response. And from a Lambda, I can call DynamoDB. I can call some different things. When we go to asynchronous, which is what we're driving for, right? right? We, like you said earlier, we want to get to asynchronous as fast as we can because that keeps your client not waiting. That allows you to do all the retry and all the kind of stuff. You know, we can talk about benefits of that in a minute, but that's hard to test because it's a it's a fire and forget, right? I've I've triggered the event now. I don't know what's going on past that. So with Sam Accelerate, we designed it so that. Every change you make, and we look at several different things. We, we first of all we differentiate between configuration and code, and we say if you're anything you're configuring a lambda, you're changing the timeout, you're changing the runtime, things like that. That's all configuration. That requires a deploy. Mm -hmm. If you're changing, you know anything like that. But if you're changing code, and we look at code as obviously lambda code, layer code, uh, states language as code, and we look at uh, Open API as code. If any of those are being changed, we'll do a really quick sync. And we're talking a matter of seconds of your change to the cloud. So that allows you to say, all right, I've changed my Lambda. Now I'm going to test, uh, I just said Lambda, Lambda function. Chris Munz, I apologize. I, I, it was a lower L. He's not your boss hear. anymore, he, though, right? He, he, well, he isn't, but he's still <laughs> so, being great. So, he's so, like, much. Uh, so <laughs> Lambdas, Lambdas, Lambdas. So let's just say somewhere. it. Right? Yeah, let, let's do it, Lambdas. <laughs> no, I can't do it. So, um, but yeah, we get that out there and we can test that immediately. Hit it through an API call, uh, you know, things like that. But it's still, you still have the asynchronous, you know? So those are still synchronous tests, right? So for asynchronous, we said, you know, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't debug with logging? I mean, that's just, right. I mean, we'd love to do the, the, the step, you know, the stepping through and, and, and you can do that locally, but the reality is testing in the cloud, that's a tough thing to do. And I know there, there's some folks who do it, but it's tough. 
right? And so we end up saying this this code was hit. I, I can't tell you how many times in my production code it says this function was hit out of, in the logging. You know what I mean? And so what we what we were able to do is we would say, okay, you could put logs anywhere. My step, you know, in my lambda function, uh, I'll I'll collect uh, step functions logs. I'll collect API gateway logs. Any of those serverless things, and we'll aggregate those through the same logs part of it. So it's it's a combination and. When we say same accelerator, people go, what is same accelerator? Is there an actual function called same accelerator? It's a collection of tools. One is the same sync that we just talked about where you sync the code up. Uh, two is same logs, uh, where we actually aggregate your logs from your from your Lambda, your API gateway, your, your step functions, things like that. And you can see it all. And we also tie in uh, tracing there. So, and there's some other things we do to make that sync happen very fast that I'm glad to go into at another time. but. The idea there is now I can async, I can test my asynchronous processes. I can say, I expect this Lambda function to do A, B, and C, or I expect once it hits a queue and then it goes through, or, or let's say a topic, then it goes through a queue or whatever. I expect these things to happen and I can get those, those logs and I can look at the tracing, but it's all done in the cloud. Get to the cloud as fast as you can. Hi, everyone. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Dexsecure. Dexsecure empowers web developers by automating tasks that are essential for every website, freeing up developer time to focus on building. Dexsecure currently has three products to help your team. Their web asset optimizer optimizes content like HTML, images, CSS, JavaScript, fonts, videos, and more. Their third-party optimizer takes care of all your third-party assets, and their intelligent network optimizer enhances the performance and resiliency of your website. Dexsecure also has an open source product called OpenDexsecure, a cloud agnostic edge development framework. Now what I love about OpenDex is that the developers can jump straight into product building and not worry about dealing with setup and all the other roadblocks that come from the complexity and configurations of other popular CDNs. If you're interested in trying Dexsecure's products, you can for free. Just visit Dexsecure's website at dexsecure.com to sign up and learn more. That's D-E-X. ECURE.com. So I think something that you're getting at here, especially if we're going to take this from a philosophical level, right, is like bringing the developer to the cloud, not the cloud to the developer, is essentially yeah. allowing that developer to be a human rather than a robot. Because, you know, mm. a robot would perhaps never get it wrong. But as a human, like you make brittle code right. and the only brittle code that we the only brittle that we want is peanut brittle. We don't want brittle code. We right. want brittle applications. And so I think there is a bridge. Ooh, brownie brittle. I'm into that, too. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no worries at all. I, we should represent all the brittles here except for yes, the brittle all code. Brittles represented. That's right. and we'll, get, we'll get tweets if we don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hashtag brownie brittle. Um, so there's something that you, I think, are really passionate about, Eric, which is uh, allowing for humanity in tech. And you're actually going to be talking about rediscovering <laughs> humanity in tech in uh, some upcoming talks. And so I wanted to make that bridge here because I think, I mean, we can joke about it. And I know everyone knows that developers are people, too. But a lot of times it's like we expect a developer to act like a robot and therefore yep. like, oh, just like make them do all this stuff and not get it wrong and then just... And then they end up never coding because there's all these things yeah. where it's like, oh, I'm a human too. Um, so maybe you could talk to us a little bit about how those two ideas and philosophies sort of intermesh around like how you create the constraints or the uh, allow developers to also be humans while doing their work and what that means in tech and how we're bringing, how you're helping people rediscover that way you want to talk about. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and, and where this comes from is is I'm actually doing a talk where our, our entire team is doing go to all the go to development uh, 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 events this year, and so we're doing a keynote, and that's exactly what it's called. It's called "Find a Rediscovering Humanity in Tech," and this this came from not what you were not what exactly what you were talking about, but ties into it. So I'll kind of bring it back a little bit. This came from just. Uh, I feel like we beat each other up sometimes. I feel like the expectation is perfection. If if you're you work for AWS or you, and this isn't this is not tied to AWS and and this is this is one of those things. This is Eric's opinion and not AWS's. Uh, but uh, we we tend to beat each other up. Then what we do is we get on Twitter and we yell at each other. We have opinions and and this kind. I mean, I'll be very careful here, but it can apply to a ton of topics. And we've lost the art of innuendo we've lost the art of friendly debate somewhat because we do it all through twitter we do it all through social media but you're probably getting more than you want you can cut all this if you want <laughs> uh, but uh, but it, we kind of expect perfection and we we kind of beat each other up when it doesn't happen and there's one of my favorite movies, it's not a great movie, but there's an old 80s movie. Jeremy, you'll know it. Rebecca, you'll have no idea. No, you may. It's, it's called Roadhouse. And, I love and Roadhouse. Yeah. I one we of the talked lectures. about Roadhouse last week, didn't we? Did you really? We might yes. have mentioned Roadhouse Probably. for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, because we were talking about Patrick Swayze. I don't remember. Anyway, yes. sorry. Go yes. ahead. In this scene, and I'm not going to do it, but Patrick Swayze and I are basically you know, mirror images, but I'm not going to do his voice. That's our only difference. And, uh, but he says he get, he's telling his people how to handle conflict in the roadhouse. And he, and he says, if they get in your face, be nice. If they hit you, be nice. If they, whatever. And, and I feel like we've lost this art of being nice to each other. Now that does not mean accept everything that's said and, and, and it's okay to, you know, Oh, that's a mistake. We still, we do love you. We, things like that. But I'd like to see people, I'd like to see grace. You know what I mean? It, it, and, and grace and mercy, you know, is, 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 is a term that I use with my kids all the time in when I make a mistake, show me, point it out. Uh, help you know help me reach that but but finding that humanity of dealing with each other and what i found is when we go to social media and things like that we don't go to social media to hear opinions we go to social media to espouse opinions right and and i feel like that's the, if you want my opinion let's sit down let's talk call me read you know email me things like that but let, let's be humane to each other right and so going back to this code thing yeah yeah i, th I think there's a and, and that's where it really kind of hit me is is you see things go out and, and, and you know, I have, I have some stuff I've worked on that I've, I've just poured, poured literally this will help people. And I'm going to build this and this is going to be great. And then, and then it gets out there and someone goes, yeah, you misspelled this. Or da, 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 da. And they only see that. And, and, and again, this is not, you know, just be nice and never, never disagree, but it's disagree with edification and disagree with an idea of him hey, and help you be nice. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's that's a small precursor of, of where we're going on the bigger scale of understanding. Let's just you know how do you, how do you how do you help each other? How do you work with each other? Yeah, I mean I don't know why people try to be so controversial. So with that, uh, what's your favorite programming language? Or sorry, what's the best programming language? <laughs> the absolute best programming language is configuration. <laughs> Um, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, honestly, that's the, I put a tweet out there the other day that actually was making a joke about how bad this article was that was like talking yeah. about TikTok or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, it was clearly a joke to me. And people were like, 
there's no research back this. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I posted it because there's no research. Like, there's no evidence that this data. is even true. That's why I posted <laughs> yeah. it. But I mean, yeah. it, it just happens. But no, I I I get it. But um, anyways, all right. So let's. Uh, that sounds awesome. We've got a whole bunch more we want to talk about, and we are actually starting to run out of time. Um, yeah. But so you're welcome. Y- you are now. Well, right. And we just just have you. I mean, actually, we'll we could do 15 episodes just with yeah, Eric, yeah. and then I'm our job would be done. I'm be great. Um, no, so. Um, you have been at AWS for a while now. You're now a principal um, developer advocate. You're formerly a vice principal developer advocate, I believe, right? Um, yeah. So curious, though, like going back to everything you're talking about, too, with just the humanity aspect of it, being right. nice and so forth, um, you know, I bet that experience you've had talking to all these people, which is amazing, by the way. This is one of my favorite parts of what I do is actually getting to meet and talk to people. Yes. So, yes. like, just tell us a story because apparently you're good at that. Um, like, just reflecting over those last couple of years, like, what have you learned? Like, what has, besides, oh, you know, man. now moving into thinking step functions are the greatest thing. Um, but, like, other than that, like, what like what have you learned? Like, what, what, what has stuck with you over the last couple of years um, or, like, sort of takeaways from this? Well, I've learned they'll just let anybody be a principal at AWS. So <laughs> I have to tell you, when I got when I got the call from Munz, he called and said, "Hey, they've they, they, you are a principal now." And I was like, "All right." So I, I we went out to dinner to celebrate that night, and the, the girls kept telling the waitresses, "My dad's a principal of AWS." And then sometimes it was, "My dad's a president of AWS." <laughs> it's like, no, no misunderstanding. So. What have I learned? You know, uh, uh, part of it is that I, I think I've learned that we kind of get this idea in our head uh, that that everybody knows if you work at AWS or any other company that's you know doing a lot of things or any other company in general, if, you, if you're higher up, it's they know they have all their stuff together. They have got it locked in. And then you, you start talking, it's like, you, you don't know either. <laughs> You know what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong. I worked with some really, really smart people. Uh, and when I started here, I was terrified to ask the questions because I'm, I work for AWS. I'm a senior at the time. I was a senior developer advocate. I should know everything about serverless. But the reality is I didn't. You know, I knew, I knew some things. There were some things, you know, the API gateway, that's my thing. That's my jam. I can, I can dive deep on that. Step functions, not so much. Now I'm much better at it. But, the, and so there's no way you know everything. And so I would sit in meetings and just quietly, you know, they would do you know, the, the QRS W99 or 42, whatever. And, you know, you, you, you've all been in those meetings. It's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Finally, just one day, I literally said, you know what? I'm asking the question. I don't know what that means. I raised my hand, you know, virtually. I don't know what that means. And it was really funny because over 50% of the room goes, I don't know what that means either. I'm so glad you asked. I don't know. So I think the first thing I've learned is you don't have to know everything and you'd be surprised. Somebody, if they're talking about it, somebody knows. But you don't you don't get better if you don't ask the questions. I think I think it's really critical that if you don't know, ask. If you get fired for that, then there's something so, wrong with the that's culture. not your yeah. fault that's somebody right. else's fault yeah there, there's a problem there because because the only way we learn is by asking you know, my dad was a teacher he was a high school teacher and um his his thing was always you know I, I, we always said there's no question too dumb but he really meant that if you don't know only way to learn is to ask the question uh I've, I've said this before and i'll say it again if you're the smartest person in the room you need to change rooms 
I, I want to be in the room where I know the least. Uh, case in point, and here's a story, Jeremy. I, I, you know, I'm a drummer. We talked about it. Uh, turns out, uh, you know, I was playing at a community college. I was the best drummer they had. And I really thought that was something. And then I transferred over to a school of music in Phoenix, Arizona. It turns out I'm, I'm not that good. I'm really good for one finger. I'm really average in life, you know. And so uh, the worst drummer there ate my lunch. But I learned more in my time there with those drummers being better than me than I ever did being the best. Because if you're always teaching, you're never learning, right? And so I'm just full of cliches, aren't I? But uh, it's, how many cliches can I fit in? Uh, but 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 that's one of the, one of the things I learned. You have to ask the questions. Don't be embarrassed about. It. And and what I found is, it, at least in my experience, and you, you hear people who well, AWS is this, or Amazon is this, or Oracle is this, or just, you know, whatever. They classify companies based on people. I guess this would be the second worst lesson based on experiences with people. But the reality of a company it is it's a group of people. And yes, while we have policies in place and things like that. Some people are better managers than others, you know, and so so they base all story off a bad manager, all right. story off a good manager. My experience has been very gracious. I mean, there's an expectation. You work hard. You know, we, we work hard, play hard. But the, there's a gracious allowance of, oh, you don't know? Let's teach you. Now, if you keep saying, I don't know what that means to the same thing every time, probably right. the problem might be you and, <laughs> and not them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those, those are some of the things uh, that I've learned. Um, I'll stop there unless you have other questions, but those are some key things. I want to follow up on that because so in okay. my time at AWS, that was also one of my key learnings. Like if you don't know, don't be afraid to ask because like, you know, someone says, what do you say? QR, QR, 21219. And all of a sudden someone goes yeah. wrong. They're like, blue 42. I thought you told me a button hook. And you're like very confused. Um, was there a niner? Yeah, there? niner, niner. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, when I first entered AWS, not I mean, everyone has different levels and stuff like that, but L5. So like lower, quote, air quote, lower level in terms of like the hierarchy sure. of an organizational structure. And I would be in meetings, you know, with VPs of like people who are making very large organizational business decisions. And in something that at one point, you know, I was reading a doc and then I, you know, had all my red pen circles, like don't know what this means, not quite sure how this fits together. And finally, I got to the same point you did, where you're like, I'm just going to ask. And yeah. something that was interesting is when I asked afterwards, the VP stayed and said, I also didn't know um, <laughs> what that meant. And I was talking about yeah, it. And I was like, and I was like, you know, I was a little worried to ask that question. And he and he said the same thing. Right. Don't be afraid to ask. And, I, and then yeah. we talked about it. And I was like, I think something that happens, right, is someone who is, let's say, quote, air quote, lower on the level hierarchy is more afraid to ask because mm -hmm. they feel like they need to rise up since everyone around, they don't want to be that person that's like, oh, I'm at a low level and clearly I'm at a low level because clearly I deserve to be at this low level because I don't understand. And so we talked about what does that mean for that person at the higher level to yeah. pre like, how do you create, and now that you're a principal and have been a principal developer advocate, are there any tactics or ways where you're like, hey, how do we create this space so that people, like it seems it's seen as humble when someone at a high mm -hmm. level asks uh, what could be a scary, you should know this question, right? Because right. they're like, hey, they're like, hey, clearly like I'm at a high level, but this doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain it? Versus it feeling like a different burden of proof on someone who's at a different yeah. level. So do you have any ways where you're where you're like, hey, when I'm in a room, 
even if I know the answer, I ask the question to open up that safe space or any other like tactics or ways that you think that space can be created so that people can feel like they can ask those questions. Yeah, and I think you just hit on it. I, we do this in service office hours. Uh, we do service office hours on, on Tuesdays. And one of my jobs, I feel, as the host, but it's the same in rooms and private rooms as well, is I ask the question. I know the answer sometimes, not always. Um, but I, I ask the question that I don't think is stuck. You can you can kind of see the eyes, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And, and that's one of the things I really try hard to do is pay attention to the room. Because you can often tell when people are are off the tracks, right? Uh, they're, they're just in there kind of, you know, doe-eyed, shaking their heads. Yes, 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 I get it. I understand. But do you? And so I, I really try to try to open that up and ask the questions. The other thing, and, and this was interesting, Chris Munz and I had this conversation when, when I started there. He said, what are some things you would change? And one of my frustrations was, was documentation, uh, you know, and, and that's, AWS is not alone in that. Documentation's hard. But a lot of times we make assumptions, and this is this is a safe space in, internally. We make assumptions. Go, I'm sure you know this, so I'm just going to skip right over it and tell you to do this with this with this in the documentation. And and I spent half my life going, I I don't know that. I, I don't understand who made the leap from here to here. And so when I write docs or when I do explanations, either I'm speaking publicly and internally, is I try to connect every dot. And and sometimes it's too much. I, I'm a talker. Sometimes it's it's overkill. And I'll say, look, if, if I'm telling you something you already know, go ahead and interrupt me. That's fine. But I'm going to say this and, and then you can, you know, you can, you, you might correct me. But those kinds of things to, to not make the assumption. I think a lot of times we assume we're all in the same room. We're all at the same level. And, and that's not the case. Uh, and so... Those are, those are some of the steps uh, that I take. I will tell you a, another thing. Uh, there's a guy named Chris Lewis. He he works with the same team. He's a PM. He's I really like him. He's really awesome. But I bring things back to the same team a lot. And I'll say, hey, I didn't know this was happening. Or what about this? Or, or you know, that's my job. I interact with the same all the time. And his first response almost every time is, okay, Eric's asking that question. That means probably other developer asking that question. How do we make that clear? How can we fix our docs? How can we fix our whatever to make that clear? And I think that that's another thing is just that key awareness that it might not be that Eric's dumb. There's a good chance it is. But it might not be this is an Eric thing. It could be an us thing not explaining it. And so I think there's that that burden of sharing that load of, of getting of, of communication. Yeah, so there's so much there, um, which is awesome advice, and and just I, I totally agree with you. Like you have to ask questions. It's one of those things where, um, it, and you know what actually kills me the most is acronyms. Like people love to use acronyms, and I'm like, acronyms do not mean what everybody thinks they mean, right? Like That's so, right. we were I was in a meeting, I don't know, probably a year ago, something like that, and uh, sales and marketing were talking about SQL with a bunch of developers. And we're like, yeah. SQL, and then referring to it in this weird thing, and like, what are they talking about? Sales qualified lead, not structured query language, <laughs> which is a very different context to be in. Yes. And when you have these different things, it just, it gets very, very confusing um, for people. But I think the what I took away from all of that was uh, really nobody knows what they're talking about most of the time, um, <laughs> which is actually quite true. Or Eric um, does and, yeah. Well, no, actually, I think, I think it's, it's one of those things where you can't, you can't know everything. I mean, it's right. just, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just that even if you know things well, you just have to sometimes be aware of it and then Stack Overflow and Google yeah. and the docs and all those things are your friends um, because those are, you know, those are really what uh, I think dig you into it. And I want to talk about education in a minute, but I know that um, that, that Rebecca has a follow-up question. So I'll let her go and then we'll, we'll move into some okay. more education stuff. 
Yeah, Jeremy is excited to ask you about university and the youth. But before we get there, a couple uh, weeks ago now, perhaps, we were recording with Sean Wang, the head of developer experience at Temporal. Um, And what's super interesting, I think, is I want to ask you, there's like developer experience, right, and developer advocacy. And one way that we were sort of talking about this was developer experience gets involved at the the beginning when you're designing the product to say, if we are sitting in the developer seat this whole time, what is the best way to design this product so that it feels the most intuitive for a developer by the end state? And I think a goal of developer advocacy is also similar, right? You you want to have the inputs and get the feedback from customers that it can become the next input to the product. But a lot of times developer advocates are almost somehow now at the end where it's like this product or service exists and now I need to educate you about the gotchas and educate you around even not just the gotchas, like the benefits and, and how it all works. And I'm wondering right. if you or your team, um, if you're able to start to integrate into the the beginning of experiences or how you might advocate for that even internally to say, hey, love to educate about this, but how do we get involved at step zero yeah. rather than you know step 17? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's really good. I, I think part of that, and, it, you, and, and this, any company deals with this. We, hey, we just want to get stuff out. And two pizza teams, are, while they're great, let me tell you, two pizza teams uh, without pineapple, while, while they're very fast and while they're, you know, it can move things, sometimes that becomes an issue, right? Uh, and and so one of the things that we've done is we, is, is we, uh, we insert ourselves in these teams, right? So I sit with the same team once a week and they tell me, here's what's coming. I meet with Pranita, who's the PM, and, and she says, here's what's coming. Uh, same with API Gateway. Uh, and, and, and so we know, and we kind of each, you know, Ben works with our step function. We all work with all the teams, but we kind of have our, our focus areas. And, and one of the things we've, we've been asking, and they're, and they're very responsive, is how early can I get a look at this? How, give me a working copy, let me play with it. We try not to get too much, uh, and, and you know, some would say, oh, it's because you're lazy, Eric, but there is a method to my madness. I don't necessarily read all the docs. Now, I'll read the first couple, if, if you know anything about Amazon Word doc company, right? And so if we're going to come out with a feature, there's a doc somewhere. You know, if, if we're making a decision, there's a doc. So I'll read those, but I don't necessarily get into all the UX uh, other than I will give some guidance up front. Hey, I think this and this and this, but I will play with what they've done uh, after the fact. So I'm a little at the beginning, much heavier uh, in the middle and towards the end. Uh, and where I can, I can say, Hey, this doesn't make sense or this works or, you know, and, and, and I try to come at it. And the reason I stay a little bit out of it is I try to come at it from a regular developer. Right? Cause I am, I mean, I develop every day. I'm working. It, it, it is part of us. And I'm not, you know, I, I, all joking aside, I'm not the strongest developer. We have some really strong developers on our team. You know, my background is theology. I mean, that's my degree, right? So it's like, whoa, you know, all the development I learned was at Google in the middle of the night, you know, so, or in Googling, uh, not at Google, you know, what I mean. and so uh, <laughs> to clarify, uh, so, uh, so uh, we try to do that approach, but we have another thing at, at, at Amazon that's very helpful is we have this thing called the Indian Cord. Uh, and Rick, I think you know what I'm talking about. This may, this may be a secret. Maybe I'm giving a company a secret. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but it allows you to go, whoa, pull this. This is detrimental. This isn't going to work. And we had one last year where I was looking at it and said, mm-hmm, this, this doesn't make sense. This is going to cause some confusion. And, and you know, I documented Here's Here's where it all is. And the team went. Okay, well, let's stop. And, the, and they said, we want to get this out as soon as possible, but we want to get the right thing out. 
And so let's step back. Because we all know it's better to wait and put out something great than to put out something we already know is bad and then try to fix it along the way. You know, there's a balance there. And so that ability is very powerful. We don't do, you know, try not to do it every time or they won't talk to you, <laughs> you know, but it, it is it, it is the ability to say we need to fix this. So so we, we use that. I've only used it one time and the team was incredibly responsive. And so those are some of the tools that that we use uh, for that. If, if I were to, if, if we were to take this on like, hey, I'm a new DA, I work for this group. My advice would be get into that group as much as you can. Sit in their meetings, get to know the PMs, get to know the GMs. Uh, don't just wait for them to come to you. Go to them and insert yourself. Make make them know who you are. So that's, uh, like it or not, that's what I've done with our teams. Yeah, well, while by the way, while you were talking, I don't know why uh, Alex Castleboni sent me something about pineapple pizza. So uh, I don't even know how we so knew messed. we were talking I know. about it. But I, I think mean, you're just... lying or it was detrimental because I know Alex Castleboni <laughs> would not put a pineapple on pizza. So No, no, he basically was saying not to put pineapple okay, on pizza. Okay, good. Okay. He was calling well, you he, out, basically. He was feeling um, it, yes. Right, yes, exactly. Hi, everyone. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Stream. Stream is an open source SDK that makes it super easy to add chat and activity feed features to your app. You can use it to add a simple live chat feature to an existing app or build an entire application focused on chat and communication. When it comes to chat, Stream fully supports all of the major features that users expect from a modern chat experience. You can send attachments and GIFs, plus it has rich URL previews, threaded conversations, AI-powered and manual moderation, and so much more. Stream provides robust client-side SDKs for popular frameworks such as React, React Native, Flutter, Android, and iOS, and their chat and activity feeds, APIs, and SDKs are available in startup, standard, premium, and enterprise packages tailored to meet your unique needs. Small teams and personal dev projects may also qualify for the free StreamMaker account. Trust Stream to provide your app with enterprise-scale reliability. Visit serverlesschats.com slash getstream to check it out today. We should definitely move on to okay. a little bit more about education. Um, and uh, and I know you're out there teaching a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people learning serverless, you know, a lot of developers, companies, you know, they, they, they read your blog posts, you're out there speaking, you're doing a lot of this stuff. Um, now, it's a little scary that you're thinking about educating or shaping younger minds um, around scary. this, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, you'll be teaching them serverless. So tell us about this thing that you're going to be doing um, pretty sure. soon. So you're going to be going into universities and yeah. you're going to be actually teaching kids in college serverless or about serverless because I remember a couple of years ago now, we were at a, at a dev conference or whatever it was. I forget, what was it, like the developer? Oh, man, I, I, whatever we together, were, yeah. we were out in Seattle. Developer yeah. yeah. Influencer yeah. Summit. Yes, that's there what it, it was. Is. Gotcha. And we were trying to influence uh, AWS, yes. and one of the things we told them was, "Why are we not teaching serverless in college? Um, and like, yes. how do we do that?" And so, a couple of years later, it sounds like we're we're getting there. So, tell us about this. So, so here's where it started. Uh, last year, I was approached by somebody, kind of a third party, and he was working on teaching university. He, he was basically tapping into the university students as developers for his team. Uh, and, and he would help, and he had actually partnered with a lot of the professors. There's several universities across U.S. and Canada. He had partnered with, with uh, some professors saying, I want them to build the product that I'm trying to get out, but 
could it be their final project? So these are CS majors, you know, master uh, final project, things like that. And so he really wants to use serverless. And so he he got a hold of me, found out who he, it actually he he was working with ASU and my son just started ASU. That's a whole nother story. But uh, we, he's going to ASU. And so he reached out to me, say, hey, I hear, hear you have a son at ASU. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about projects. So I told him, look, I'll, I'll just kind of on the side, I'll take on and I'll talk to these students. So I was doing some office hours and not just ASU students, students all across, like I said, nation. And I was shocked. He wants them to build serverless, but no clue. No clue what serverless is and, and more uh, event-driven architecture. So that's really what we're talking right. We're starting to lean more towards event-driven architecture on top of serverless, right? And it just, I mean, deer in the headlights. And I was like, okay, okay. And then as I started to dig in, this was, and, and I really don't want to do this on a, you know, hey, I'm condemning these universities, nothing like that. But I was surprised to hear not a lot of cloud education right. in general. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was shocking, and and so I was, okay. Well, what do you study? Well, one student said, "Well, I, I do C plus plus." Okay, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Where are you using that? And I'm not saying you don't use C plus plus. Okay, I I can't spell C plus plus, so that's great on it. You know, but it, it was shocking to me. So I decided, what if? And I'm still talking to the same person. What if I could create a serverless immersion day? And we do these in companies and things like that. We've done a roadshow before. But we targeted at university students. Would you be interested? I would be totally interested. I'd love that. So we kind of set that up. And so I'm doing two proto two kind of prototypes of this. One, I love this too. One's at Notre Dame uh, and one's at Harvard in April. So you can be sure my LinkedIn's gonna say guest lecture at Harvard and Notre Dame. <laughs> Probably before I actually do it. So, but one of them is going to be with the CS50 class uh, at Harvard, and so very excited about that. Um, and and so what I want to do is I want to go in, and you can't teach all serverless in a day, right? But you can teach the concept, the idea. Hey, there's something else than spinning up machines, spinning up containers, all that. I when we t- we teach the idea and get it in their head, event driven architecture. So if we can teach them enough where they go, okay, I'm going to pursue that and look after it, and see what's see what's out there. Uh, and at that point, and, and this is honestly, yes, of course we want them to come to AWS Cloud, but uh, serverless, kind of you know, serverless for everyone. Kind of back to that mantra that I used to do years ago is let's get you serverless, and then we'll then we'll talk to you. So. Yeah, I love that you're saying you're basically like, we need to plant the seed of the paradigm shift. So you don't get to yes. the end, you don't actually leave college and then you're like, oh, I guess I'll, you know, I can code and then you end up trying to use the cloud and you're now you're trying to like flounder with this paradigm shift that could have been planted many years before. So thank you and the future is bright and I'm excited yes. for all the students you're going to reach as a guest lecturer at Harvard. At Harvard, yes, I'm gonna use that voice. Pretty excited about it, yes. Uh, yeah, so. I wouldn't use that voice there. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm from the area, so. Yeah. Walk in, wear uh, my when, whenever we see Alec Baldwin giving a terrible Boston That's accent, a, you know, yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm going to go, hey, hey uh, n- after this, we're going to play stickball bowling. Yeah, <laughs> ooh, love that. Candle um, pin bowling. Candle pin. Oh, sorry, right. candle. Stickball. You in the rock. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're going for Midwest well, right there. The, the idea behind it, uh, uh, just a little more, is if you remember way back when I was a kid, Oh, school had Apple computers everywhere. You know, Apple pushed their, they got their computers in. And that's what I knew. That's what I learned. You know, and so it's that kind of idea. Because what happens when they come out of university, they've learned, let's say they learn containers or they learn VM. That's what they know. Mm. And so it's very hard to go, yeah, they, I, that may be better, but I don't know it. And I've got to build something. So while they have time to go, let me decide what I like better. 
they need to have this option as well. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, I lean back in my chair and I say, Eric Johnson, thank you for sharing your knowledge, your stories with us and with the future of coders, developers, and cloud practitioners. Um, How can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, Well, you can look me up on Twitter. I'm at EDJGeek on Twitter. Uh, That's that's probably the best place. Also, serverlessland.com. Uh, I have my own profile there. They let me be on it, you know. And so, uh, <laughs> kind uh, of yeah, a big those, deal. Those two places, yes, yeah, kind of. No, People swoon it. over you now. Just say it, you know. So, uh, yeah, but you see, <laughs> yeah, they're swooning. Here, I will tell you real quick story. We were in Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago. I was literally called point blank the obnoxious American. We love obnoxious Americans. You're so loud. So there you go. <laughs> it was meant in the kindest words. I'm pretty sure, but yes. Uh, but yeah, those are some ways to get a hold of me. I really appreciate that y'all do this. I love the show and thank you very much for having me. Well, we love and are affectioned by, affectioned by, have a lot of affection for you as well. You have to promise not to edit that out. When you are at Harvard in April, uh, reach out. Maybe we'll meet up for a uh, Dr. Diet Pepper. Let's do it. And if you get the name right. or that's Dr. Diet Pepper. Yeah, maybe I haven't slept. Let me I'd say, say you've so had too many actually, Diet Dr. Peppers. Yeah, I've had too many Diet Dr. Peppers. <laughs> diet Dr. Okay. Pepper. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Nice. It's like, oh, I'm here for my checkup with Mr. Dr. Diet Pepper. Diet, Paging Dr. Diet Pepper. Whatever. It's close enough. You know what? Oh, this is funny, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of mental strain to, to do this show. I mean, Try. it's just, you know, it's it's so hard. Anyways, I hope people have yeah. stopped listening by now. They're like, you know what? Oh, we I don't, need, they the, we don't already, need the outro music. They've already it's unsubscribed. <laughs> They're done. They're yeah. done. They don't even care anymore. Anyways, yeah, Eric. I wish they had a point. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thanks again. Uh, it yeah, was great having thank you. you. Uh, thanks. And that's this week's serverless chat. Rebecca and I want to give a huge thank you to Eric Johnson for being our guest this week and to our sponsors, Dexsecure and Stream. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 125. For more serverless chat, subscribe, sign up to be an insider, check us out on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can connect with Rebecca on Twitter, at Becca Odelay, and me, at Jeremy underscore Daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.